Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. And now, here is Pastor James Myers. Today, we are actually going to take somewhat of a detour. We were, remember last week, we were looking at logic and um, different rules and sections of that, and we were going to be looking at the law of contradiction or the law of non-contradiction. However, I wanted to take a little detour. Um, because I think this is important to lay out at the outset as well. Uh, we're going to be looking at ontology, which is basically the study or the science of being. Uh, there's the etymological derivation, on being the Greek, uh, for being, logos, being the word for word, study, or science. Um, so the verb to be, such as is, are, am, etc., was, were, is so common in our language we take it for granted. Uh, we, it's hard to even utter a statement without using these categories. That's what I was recognizing the other day outside, really paying attention to that. And that's, I was listening to y'all. I mean, it's, it's nearly impossible. Um, so, I mean, even common phrases, how are you? I am fine. What are you doing? I'm going to the store. So the R and the M are ontological reference. So when you're asking, how are you? You're asking about the state of the being of the person. Uh, and I am fine is a person stating how their being is. And being is basically the, remember when I was talking to you about substance and essence, it's the stuff of, of, of everything. Um, so, and like, uh, I'm sure you remember Hamlet from Shakespeare, to be or not to be, whether it's nobler in the mind, to, and etc. Um, I mean, there he's contemplating suicide. So being versus non-being, existence versus non-existence. Um, and this basically breaks down, I, I really want to kind of quickly go through this because we're going to be seeing this later on anyway, uh, which is why I wanted to introduce it before we got further into the studies. Um, in ancient Greece, uh, so even before uh, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. Do y'all know about uh, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle? They weren't Christians. They're not. They weren't believers, but they they did expound uh, a lot of truth. And remember, I uh, mentioned Aristotle last time. He's not up here, uh, but how he called logic the organon or the tool or the instrument by which we get, we gain any knowledge whatsoever. So these two guys, though, came well before them. Well, not all that long before them. And, and we'll look at the history of theoretical thought uh, at much later date um, because this is essential. There are consequences to these theoretical uh, changes within uh, culture, within the world, uh, and, and all that in our experience. Um, so Periclitus, Periclitus and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Periclitus, yeah, no, it's Parmenides. I don't know why I wrote Heraclitus. Well, it's Parmenides and Heraclitus. Uh, we don't know which one came first and who's re reacting to whom, uh, but I'm going to start with uh, Parmenides. Uh, so being versus becoming. So Parmenides is famous, for, and we don't have much, uh, we have some artifacts, uh, just kind of chunks of what he actually wrote. Most of what we have from him are, refer, you know, are later 
uh, works referring to what he had said kind of a thing. Uh, but he's famous for, fra for uh, coming up with the axiom, whatever is, is. Now, <laughs> uh, you know, my, who I learned this from, R.C. Sproul, he, and I agree with him because when I first saw that, I thought that was the most ridiculous thing in the world. You know, this guy is famous for saying something as obvious as whatever is, is. And I will also uh, admittedly uh, agree with Sproul that uh, nothing in theoretical thought, nothing um, outside the confines of uh, biblical studies or theology has drawn me more to contemplation and consideration more than that phrase. And we'll see that much later as we go along. So whatever is, is. What, he, what he's saying is any being, anything that is, is. And Heraclitus came along and said, everything is in a state of flux. Everything is changing. Uh, you can, and he coined the phrase, uh, you can never step into the same river twice. I'm sure you've even heard that. Because by the time you, know, you, you, you step into the river one time, right? by the time you take another step, the river has passed. You know, it's not the same water that it was on the first step. And not only the river has changed, but I've changed. I've gotten moments older. Um, and, and even the granular, the, uh, the bedrock kind of a thing, still, I mean, it might be infinitesimal. It might be microscopic. But there is a change. There is a, uh, uh, there is a flux. Uh, you know, there is a change in adaptation that's going on. Um, and so... When these two giants uh, of uh, intellectual uh, um, philosophy at that time uh, w were at odds here, that's where one of the big um, uh, times of skepticism started. And that, in that vacuum is really where Socrates came, uh, and then Plato, and then Aristotle. And we'll look at them much later uh, as well. Um, so, but, so we are referred to as human beings, right? Right? However, to be, so let me, let me do this. So, oh yeah, because I was supposed to go up here anyway with that. Uh, another thing Aristotle uh, was saying, really in response to uh, Heraclitus, is, is if everything is in a state of becoming, if everything is in a state of flux, if all it is is potentiality, it is potentially anything, but actually nothing. That's why I really lament the common you know uh, phrasing that you know uh, live up to your potential you know reach your potential that's that's not a thing you don't reach a potential <laughs> you know if if you know potentiality is not actuality potentiality is just uh, a possibility kind of a thing it's not in and of itself conclusive it's not in and of itself anything so all if all you are is potentiality you're potentially anything but you're actually nothing because all you are is just constantly stating because that's not to be is to be whatever is is so potentiality versus actuality okay so we're called human beings when in reality we are moment by moment changing it should be rendered really we are human becomings because <laughs> you know? uh, we are always changing we are always in a state of flux and we, we call God the supreme being. Now we'll get back to this. Um, well, let's go ahead and start. So God's being is actual true being. He's, he's eternal 
And he, so aseity means self-existence. He is the only one who has the power of existence, the power of, uh, of being in and of himself. He's not contingent. He's not derived. He doesn't come from anything. He doesn't come from anybody. He is and must be. And I'll, we'll get to that because for anything to be, there must be this perfect being. Not only a being, not only something, but a perfect being. And we'll look at that here in a second. Um, in fact, Paul and Mars Hill will look at uh, in Acts uh, long, along the way. It comes uh, much later. But he goes uh, to Athens. And Athens was really the capital of the Greek, uh, Greek philosophy back in that day. Um, and, well, I won't get into that. Um, but he, he, goes, he goes in and he's grieved uh, because the whole city is given up to idolatry. They have gods for everything. And in case they forgot, just to kind of hedge their bets, they they uh, made an edifice for the uh, for the unknown god, for the god you know we just haven't considered, you know maybe he's just out there and we don't. And so God or so Paul gets gets up in Mars Hill and he says, "He whom you uh, worship in ignorance, it is he I I declare to you in power." And and he says some other things which we're going to consider, uh, but then he ends. He basically says within that uh, framework. In Him, in God, we live, we move, and have our being. That little sermon was earth-shaking. Everything changed. All of perspective, all of philosophy, all of theoretical thought changed. He, again, remember when we were looking at uh, Logos last week, where uh, everybody, you know, the, the, the theoretical thinkers back in those days were looking for ultimate reality. What is the one essence, uh, and, and it has to be metaphysical, it has to be non-physical, but what is the one essence that brings all of the diversity together, remember? Um, and, and, I mean, along the way, also, you know, within different categories, living, life, uh, where that comes from, uh, moving, again, the energy, uh, remember, uh, Aristotle also called God the unmoved mover. Uh, and being, that's what we're looking at here. In him we live and move and have our being. And we'll look at that much later. But that, that was crucial and, and pivotal uh, in, the, in the history of particularly Western thought, but really uh, thought um, whatsoever. Um, so Thomas Aquinas was a theologian, uh, I think around the 15th century, uh, uh, who I like. I don't agree with everything, uh, but he definitely got this right. He said, God is, the, he coined the phrase, the necessary being. So only, only concept of being can only be perfection. So also during those times, uh, philosophers were considering the aseity of God, the, 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 the being of God. Because for anything to exist, not only must there be something and something eternal, but it has to be a being that has to be perfect. Uh, he has to have all the attributes. He has to know all things, be all things, uh, be, be able to do all things, infallible. Uh, again, self-existent though. And so, and so the only concept for the supreme being is actually perfection. And so theologians back in those days though, referred to uh, him as the most perfect being. And that's really redundant, you know, because you can't have this necessary being without him being perfect. And then they kind of, you know, 
added a little bit and said most perfect being. And they're using a little, I mean, somewhat hyperbole, but we have to understand these people are considering the perfection of God and they're sitting there, standing there in awe. And so the best that they could do is most perfect being. He's not just a perf perfect being. He's not just a being. He's not just a necessary being, but he is the most perfect being in whom we live and move and have our being. Okay, so uh, we've heard of the Big Bang Theory. The, there have been several scientific approaches uh, to how things began. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've, you're familiar with, you know, everything was basically in a, in a uh, point of singularity. Everything was kind of uh, conduct, you know, construed to this one thing, but, it, but perfect. And then on one day on a Tuesday afternoon, I guess it just exploded. They said, they said uh, you know, everything exploded into being. So out of nothing, it exploded into being. <laughs> I don't know, you know, an explosion is incredible. But nothing exploding isn't all that incredible. You can't explode nothing. <laughs> it's, and, but you'd be, you'd be shocked. A lot of scientists, uh, Carl Sagan, uh, uh, for example, um, had said, we can only go that far. And that defies science. You know, if you see, because again, one of the laws of science as well is anything, any kind of item that is at rest, tends to remain at rest unless acted upon by an outside force, right? And so what caused this explosion? Even if there was an explosion, what caused the explosion? And so Sagan would say some of the effect of, well, we can't go any farther. This is, and that's just scientific, I mean, that's just, that's a cop out. There must be a cause. Um, and so this is where Augustine comes in, where I've taught you this many, many times. Um, ex nihilo, nihil fit. Out of nothing, nothing comes. If there ever was nothing, what would there be now? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. There's, there would be absolutely nothing. Out of nothing, nothing comes. Nothing could be more obvious, but nothing is more tangentially or uh, uh, scientifically uh, denied than that. Um, we'll look at this much later. Uh, Rene Descartes. Uh, in the 17th century, is a brilliant mathematician. Also, what he was trying to search was certainty. Again, different modes of skepticism is is emerging, in in uh, in different ways and in different forms, reacting to different other theoretical thoughts. Uh, but cogito ergo sum means I think, therefore I am. I'm sure you all remember that. Uh, and so he what what he wanted to know what he wanted to find is something that we can know for certain. So what he did was I'm just going to doubt everything. I'm just going to doubt everything until, you know, I can find something that explains itself within itself kind of a thing. And what he realized was, well, the one thing I can know for sure is if I'm doubting, uh, that I can't doubt that I'm doubting without doubting. Because if I doubt that I'm doubting, I'm doubting. <laughs> you know? And so it's just this kind of infinite thing. And so if I'm doubting, then there's one thing I know for sure that I'm thinking. And if I'm thinking, I must be. Uh, I think, therefore I am. And we'll get into that. I mean, that logically can break, it, 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 that's not uh, in and of itself conclusive, but we will look at that another time. So out of all this, again, I really wanted to breeze through this and, and we'll look at uh, this again throughout um, uh, our studies more specifically. 
Uh, but God is ontologically necessary, so his being, without his being, without his aseity, without his perfection, nothing would be. Nothing. Uh, and existence itself depends on his existence. He is the supreme being. He is the being who gives being and becoming to all other things. Um, so God is ontologically necessary and he's logically necessary. And that's what we're going to be looking at more specifically as time goes, as, as this series moves along. Um, Socrates um, coined the phrase, the unexamined life is not worth living. And I completely agree with that. Again, we don't worship at the altar of Socrates or Plato or Aristotle or any of these uh, philosophical Greek thinkers. However, when they're right, they're right. <laughs> the unexamined life is isn't worth living. I, I like Aristotle's. Uh, Aristotle uh, says this. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, men go abroad to wonder at the heights of mountains, at the huge waves of the seas, at the long courses of the rivers, at the uh, vast compass of the oceans, at uh, the circular motions of the stars, and they pass by themselves without wondering. Isn't that true? We, we, we go abroad, we, and we don't even have to go abroad. We can just look at cars, and, 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 and that's fine, and, and even see these people doing these magnificent things, and, and we're, we're, we're we can be inspired by that. We can be in awe on that, and that's fine. That, that, I'm not saying that's in and of itself terrible, but to go by yourself without that wonder, without that speculation, without that consideration, isn't worth living. If all you do, if all you, you know, if all you are, are enjoying everything outside yourself and appreciating and, and, and wondering and, 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 and marveling at everything outside yourself and never considering yourself, that is a dull life. That is a life not worth living. And that's why we're doing all this. That's why I insist we do either of these. Because this is, and you only get this once. You only get this one, and I dearly love you all. And so I want, to, I want to help guide you into a full, a more full life. And, and contemplation and meditation of, of God, but of yourself as well. And, you know, the world will still be there. <laughs> okay. But it's important that you consider yourself, you wonder, and, and, and even marvel. Uh, not that you're so marvelous, but why are you? That's a huge question. Who are you? You know, and what is this? What's the meaning of life? What is all this? Why? Uh, and we'll look at that more as we go along. Thank you for listening to CFIRE Ministries podcast with Pastor James Myers. We hope you enjoy this message. Please subscribe and follow us. Tune in as we continue into the Word of God.